I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. And I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I am in the studio with Jay Halim. I am in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. You are now in the studio with Jay Halim. Yeah, so you just tuning in, you know I'm on here right now. Starve Talk with my girl, Dietra, Didi, Big Didi, <laughs> pick it. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's so amazing because I watch you now, you know, now that we're friends, you know, and for people who don't know, we, uh, <laughs> you know, she is uh, our Sheba baby. She is our generation's Pam Greer. And so... <laughs> If you go on her social media, she has a picture of her with her Pam Greer afro, and she really does look just like her. And I was getting ready to say, you you sure told me I would have had my afro out today. Nah, <laughs> you ain't had to do that. It's because it, Pam Greer probably would have a hair like you now. <laughs> but that was a thing 40, 50 years ago. 50 years ago in the 70s, it was a thing to have that fro for black people. So, you know, our people know that. No need for a history lesson. But... When I saw her, she didn't know that I was, first of all, I'm young as hell watching Coffee and Foxy Brown and shit, and I wasn't supposed to be watching it. But, like, I am, like, over the moon by, you know, with, with um Foxy Brown. I'm like, so when I saw that, I went crazy. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm telling her how good she looked with, with you know, with the hair and everything like that. She's like, boy, you married? You can't be talking to me <laughs> And I'm like, hold up, hold up, because it was totally from a, a genuine place and from not a creep type space. But um, she didn't know the backstory about me and Pam Grant. Pam Grant don't know the backstory about me and Pam Grant. But at the Pam Grant don't even know I look like her. Exactly so. <laughs> right. But needless to say, um, you men speak up for yourself because I did, and I'm happy that I did. And you know, I actually gained a, a, a you know a compadre. I don't know how you say that for women, but I, I could. Oh, I, no, no, no. We we don't do those, you know, so it's, it's compadre. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, you got to be, you know, hey, look, they got what they call them pronouns now and stuff like that. And I've never, people are like, yeah, put your pronoun. Like, I'm me. Like, <laughs> that, well, that's a for day. You say me. <laughs> Parentheses, me. Exactly, right? So, uh, you know, trying to trying to do the best I can to stay politically correct. I don't even know. They, they, moved, the, they moved the goal line. Every week, it seems like every week that changes, you know, what politically correct supposed to be like. But, you know, again, needless to say, I see her giving opportunities to other people um, to go on her platform. I see her in business where she's helping people, not just to make money, but she's actually doing businesses that's going to help people. She's helping other people with their business, things of that nature. So it's no wonder why she's here talking to me right now outside of she was gracious enough to give me some time. But it's no wonder why I wanted her to talk to me because I need people to see that. I need the women who are single parents, which we're going to get into that, you know, to not be complaining. It's not saying you can't say, hey, look, it's hard for a single parent. You're right. But at the, while you're complaining, keep, keep it moving. How they say, tell your story walking. So bitch and moan while you get to the back. <laughs> you know, complain while you're doing what you need to do. So... Again, thank you for giving me a couple minutes. Not a problem, buddy. Now y'all see <laughs> You see the Wu you see the Wu the Wu Tang situation behind her right there, right? So you gotta tell a story about the Wu Tang scenario because she's a big Wu fan. Yeah, 
I, I mean, it, it, it's not a secret. Everybody knows. All my friends and family know. It it goes way back to when they started. Ninety two. Mm-hmm. I might have been twelve years old, and I was winning tickets off the radio to go see them left and right. <laughs> On this big concert, um, it was the back to school concert with Red and Meth oh, wow. Flatliners, where they would come to the high school and perform. But unfortunately, um, around that time, I believe something had happened with Puff Daddy. He had gave something in the gym. It was like this big incident had broke out. So they wasn't allowing artists or concerts to come to the schools with minors or anything. So unfortunately, it was around a time where they were supposed to perform at Barringer on my behalf. Mm. And um, I ended up just getting a few tickets and going to one of their concerts. And that's where it started. You know, I was I was hooked. I was a fan of since then. And, you know, I went to the 25th anniversary. I pretty much went to, like, most of all the concerts. I think I did about 100 concerts. I love I still, it. That's dope. I still haven't met Method Man. He picked me up off the floor when he jumped in the audience and helped pick me up by my hand. But that was the only time I got that close. But I recently got close to Ghost about two weeks ago. So that's your fave. Meth is your favorite. Method Man is my favorite. Yeah. Hey, look, I tried to be meth so much in school. It wasn't, it didn't make no sense. Like, literally, like, when I was in high school, I had braids and um, I went to North Tech and graduated from week where I didn't finish North Tech. But in the beginning of high school, I literally, whatever meth had his, his hair was, mine was. So, yeah, that one side yes. out. Was yes. Side Please believe it. <laughs> I was wearing the pants leg, one pants leg up. You know what I'm saying? All that. Got the feel eyes he had on, the Helly Hansy sweatsuit, all of that. <laughs> so, yep. Meth was always my favorite rapper growing up. Um, and he, I, I just love his um, transition and where he is now. Um, I just like what the Wu is doing. But definitely, I like how Meth took his, you know, stardom. He never changed. He was always seemed like he's down to earth. I never got the chance to meet him, but... I'm super excited about you because you know what? The fandom is going away now. People, you know, you know, back in the day, it was a big deal to be a fan. You know, you had a, a album and people would put the people on a, you know, on the wall, the pictures and stuff, the posters on the wall. Yeah. And I, I had Tony Braxton in my locker. That's my girl. <laughs> yeah, that's my, you know, that's my favorite singer. Right? Oh, that's wow. My favorite. See, that's Tony is my favorite. That's, <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah. Tony is my favorite. So you like a good <laughs> alto too, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, that's my girl. That's my girl. We can we could go back and talk about all them albums, but she she's definitely my fave. And you know, I do the same thing. Like my son, you know, he still hang up posters on the wall, you know, like wow. he got his favorite artists up and everything. And um his couple of his teachers, you know, they find out that I'm a Wu fan and they send him posters for me. So I have Wu posters, that's but cool. I don't I don't do it anymore. I'm oldest. I don't put up the posters, but he's always reminded me, Mom, you need to put the poster in the frame or something. Make it look nice. So I'm I'm gonna put one of them in the frame. Now that's kind of cool though, actually. Like, um, because I this, you gotta think about it, because the teachers probably are the same age and they rec- they um respect yes. woo and understand woo. You know what I mean? I find so many times that I'm running into teachers that's kids. So I'm walking in there and my daughter's teacher is 28 years old and 25 years old. I'm like, I never pictured myself being older than the teachers. <laughs> but now we're here. We're older Amen. than the teachers. <laughs> so Amen. it's kind of crazy. Yeah, those teachers are, you know, my age or older. So yeah. they remember 25 years ago, 30 years ago when Wu-Tang started. So, you know, they, they hip-hop fans. And I look at them, I go, 
I don't, I don't judge, but I didn't think you would be a fan. It's like, what? So speaking, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Wu-Tang. And here they go. Bring me T-shirts. They bring. So most of my graphic tees that I have, you know, somebody gave them to me or something because they know I'm a huge Wu fan. I love it. I love it. So, you know, coming up, Nork resident, you know, not a resident now, but Nork native. And, you know, getting here, going to college. I mean, what was that like? Because I know our situation, a lot of people wasn't, you know, going and getting no degrees and everything like that. How did you dodge the bullets, literally, <laughs> to get to that point? Um, I, You know what? M- my mom kept me active in a lot of things. Like, I, I was in the Upper Bound program. Um, I was in Skeet from fifth grade to eighth and Upper Bound high school up. So she kept me active, Um, you know, on the strength of my uncle, my uncle Ronnie, and, you know, his in-laws, you know, Ablade, they, they all put me, you know, in connections with mentors and going upward bound through NJIT. And, you know, that motivated me and that kept me, you know, out of getting into trouble because I didn't, I never went to summer school, mm. but I was in those programs. So I was always living on campus since I was like 13 years old. Wow. I, I experienced college life since I was 13 because I was in those pre-college programs. So I would stay, I would go on Saturdays. Um, I would, when I was in fifth grade, I was going to Pingree, you know, after school and then on Saturdays. And then in the summer times when I got older, I'm on campus at a college. So, mm-hmm. you know, they kept me active, but, you know, I didn't too much dodge bullets as far as, you know, the talk or people hating and things like that. Um, I used to have to fight. I come home on the weekends from college and, you know, people, oh, you think you better than somebody, you know, so I, I did. I had to go through things and it was with males, too. I wow. literally had to fight wow. males because they were just like, you can't come back. Don't nobody do stuff like that. You know, you're supposed to sell weed. You're supposed to. I'm like, really? Wow. You know, you're supposed to, you know, your friends is pregnant right now. Not me. You know, so I had to go through a lot of things like that. And, you know the jump getting jumped and all that stuff and fighting I, I went through all that pretty girl problems <laughs> yep pretty girl that's why i got my my daughter about it there pretty wow. girl problems yep you know with the bullying now what they call bullying i tell my kids and my daughter's an author of two anti-bullying books and i tell her like what y'all call bullying right now you know really not bullying but we can't be insensitive to what they're going through now, but what do you talk to your daughter or what did you talk to your daughter and your um, son about when, uh, you know, some of the things you went through and, you know, what they're experiencing in school now? Um, well, I, I explained to her, I mean, from a early age, you know, um, her nice skin, you know, her, you know, uh, the way she carried herself, you know, and I, and I told her, I said, you know, you're outgoing girl. Sometimes you talk too much, you know? <laughs> so you just have to be very careful with that because you're always going to have jealousy. You could be the the friendliest person on the block. You know, you could be the most helpful person. I was all of those things, but I still had people that hate on me. I hung with all the guys, but there were still things that probably were said, you know, but those were my cousins, my uncles, my my best friends, you know. And it just so happens they are male. I always got along with male, with all the male friends in the neighborhood more than anything. Yeah. So you know you're gonna hear things. So I, I let her know all of that. And you know it was a different type of period 
than it was when I was younger. When there was some bullying, we didn't go um, get no, you know, New Jersey state letter saying there was a bullying yeah. um, thing going on. You know, we would, I would get those letters if, you know, my kids experienced something like that, or, you know, some of the classmates and their parents would be talking to me about it, or I seen some of the kids that I worked with, they would get those letters. And I say, you know what? When my friends was going through stuff like this, or when I went through stuff like this, we didn't, you know, they didn't re- have to report anything to the state and all of that. So it was a different time period. So it was a lot of talking, a lot yeah. of sitting down and talking, more than what I had. You know, my mom didn't really talk to me about stuff like that. My mom is pretty much on the tough side. She's like, I'll put you in the car and if you don't go kick date. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you know that's, the, that's the thing. Like, hey, you going to fight them or fight me. And that was, that's my mom. Yep. They're going to fight them or fight me. You know, I look at my son now. He's eight. And I say, man, this is what I was supposed to be like. Because I wouldn't fight nobody at his age. But my mother was just, she from Scudder Homes, from the projects. They, 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 she's like, you better fight. And I remember her making me fight two dudes. Like, and, and I'm, man? yes. And I'm sitting here like, yo, what's going on? But at the while, you just get over it. And you're like, all right, okay, you got to fight now. But like I'm like I I couldn't even picture putting my son in that situation and telling him to fight no two dudes you know what I'm saying because I think that's like abuse nowadays and and then um I showed my kids it was so crazy I showed them that song your mama's on crack rock yeah I did oh my god my kids saw that too <laughs> oh my god I said you want to see bullying I like a kid today would would really hurt themselves because they were surrounded around a little black girl. In this circle, and they pointing at her, pointing like, at her. Your mama's on crack rock, and she not my mama. And I said, yeah. Can you imagine that? And some people, mother was on crack rock, and, and that's right, yeah. And my cousin recently sent that um, a few months ago. She sent that video to us. My cousin's from Cali, and she lives on the East Coast now. And she sent that video over to us. Wow. And I could, and you know, a lot of things that they listen to, that we listen to over here, they didn't listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't into TLC and none of that stuff. So I showed my kids that video and they was like, wow, that's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, that girl, they did that to that little girl. That's and same thing my son said. That's bullying. Yeah, yes. So, yes. So you you go to college, you get this degree, and this illustrious degree. So you go get your five hundred million dollar job. No, that's not how it went. Uh-huh. <laughs> not at all. So let's talk about where you where, where you went to go work. As soon as you got out of where you went to Keene, right? Yeah, I went to Keene University. Um, got my degree in political science, criminal justice. I had a dual major, um, so I got a bachelor's in political science, criminal justice. Um, I concentrated on, you know, abnormal psychology too, but um, I was planning on going into forensics after Damn, that. What type of, you know, <laughs> would you take eighteen hours a, a semester? <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I was done a little early too, but since Damn. I wanted to graduate with my friends, I stayed to May twenty, you know, till two thousand one. Yeah, wow, I stayed to May two thousand one, but I was pretty much done like November, December the prior year you know, taking those summer classes and everything. But, you know, once I graduated, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. You know, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do after this? You know, um, got to find a job. And I was working multiple jobs while I was on campus, you know, and I was even thinking about, you know, cause I didn't want to leave King. I didn't want to leave <laughs> King at all. I want, I was going to join the campus police. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. And I was going to stay there and work. And then I said, you know what? No, I need to go. I heard that about Keen, though. You know, a lot of people like people that I know that went to Keen are like dead serious about Keen. Well, they like yeah, that's my I'm like, you ain't go nowhere. It's like, right. You know, in union or something. Like that. I understand. But you know what? Those are my that's where I made my lifelong friends. And, yeah. Yeah. So um, my most memories, I, I'm, I mean, you know. It was so many people because everybody was from the neighborhood, from Barringer. But some of the people I see, I don't even remember their name, you know. That but, sucks, right? Yeah, but hey, everybody looks changed sometimes. But <laughs> when they send me a friend request on Facebook, I go, who, who are they? And they'll message me and tell me they went to Barringer or something. But the people from Kane, I mean, those were my lifelong friends. Like, we lived together. We, you know, it was just so much at Kane, so much fun at King, yeah. you know, um, King, I, there's so many memories that I have of King. It's not even funny. So I appreciate, and that's why I wanted my daughter to go to college because of that campus lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So was it a hard transition and you said you didn't want to leave, but finding a job, was it like tough finding that job that you felt like was suitable for you? Um, yeah, it was, I didn't find anything that I really wanted. I wanted to go to the FBI too. You oh, know, wow. so yeah, so I wanted to get into that field. Um, I went on to um, take the test for, well, I applied to be a Maplewood police officer, um, went through their academy um, situation, and I didn't stay. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I, I realized then I did not want to do that. Um, I scored really high. I believe I had like a 98% for Newark police. They called my god brother before they called me. Um, they didn't call me, and I didn't understand that. Uh, but I had a ninety-eight percent, so um, I scored a ninety-eight. And um, I said, you know what? I'm not even mad because the reason why they didn't call me is because I don't want to do it. <laughs> the universe putting me in the right place. Uh, so you know, I had a friend, and you know, it wasn't even anything I went to school for. And my friend Erica. Um, my friend Erica at the time, I hope she sees this because we haven't spoken in years, but, um, I still appreciate her. Uh, she gave me, she helped me get my first job out of college. Mm. Um, she helped me get my first job out of college. I was working and she was working at a, the front desk at a daycare center and, uh, they were looking for a social worker. Well, it was called the family worker then. So they was looking for a family worker for the, um, the location for the infant and toddler program where you worked with families, um, provided them with any social services, resources, and things like that in the community. And you just help maintain the uh, facility. So I applied for that job and I got it straight out of college. Um, they gave me the job. And I mean, I stayed there until I had my daughter and I realized that I needed more money. Now I'm, a, <laughs> now I'm a mom. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't long after I gave birth to my daughter that, you know, something else came through and just so happens it was still something in social work. Yeah. So <laughs> I kept going towards that family, children and family area um, of work and I continued down that road. So that my next job I went to was also a social services job and I worked for Catholic charities. Um, 
So, and I did home studies where we just did the inspections to approve families to be foster parents mm. and taking border babies or taking foster kids through um, diapers. What is, what is that process like? Um, I'm, I'm saying it for everybody else, but even for me, because I've actually considered being a foster parent because, um, you know, where we grew up at. I have family members who literally, you know, they don't have custody of their kids. And I was pissed about that. And I'm like, man, you know what? If it happened again, like one of my little cousins or something like that, I have a baby. And before they, I let them go someplace else, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And then I had an aunt who, that was her life. She has three biological kids of her own, but she probably, through foster care, she has about, she probably had another 10 boys. And then she only did with boys. And then two of my little cousins, um, well, two of my uncles, I'm sorry, both of their kids, she had ended up getting because they were in the streets hard in Patterson and they went to jail. So he got one, she got one set of three and then the next set of twins. And that was it for her with the foster kids. But she got at least 15 kids. And we watched that, you know, outside of her three biologicals. So that's in me. So what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear, you know, that you have an interest in that. Um, it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. And I applaud your aunt for doing that. You know, I have an aunt who did that, too. And, you know, the kids were in and out. She had kids that stayed with her for a long length of time. Um, sons that, you know, she pretty much adopted. So I applaud anybody that does that. And even all my foster parents that I still speak to to this day, um, that process is not difficult. You know, it's not difficult. You just have to um, take, I'm not sure I haven't, you know, I haven't looked into it within the last five years, but 24 hours of training. Um, back then it was called PAV training, but um, I'm sure they changed the names as they changed the, you know, different umbrellas of the division now. But there used to be a training where you take 24 hours of the training. It's split. It's not 24 hours straight. It's just the 24 hours, you know, a yeah, couple hours per day. And they give you the training that you need to um, be a foster parent. And during that time while you're doing the training, they're running your background check and everything, um, doing inspections. Um, once you're finished that in-class training or online, if it's online now, then they schedule to do your home inspection. So you'll have a home inspector come in and they'll check to make sure you have the room, um, the appropriate size, you have the windows um, because you have to have window inside each room mm-hmm. that the child is going to be in. Um, they'll check your finances and everything. Make sure that you're not in it just, just for, for the bread. money that they're yeah. given, even though they're not given enough. <laughs> they really don't. They don't give enough, but they want to make sure that you're financially stable so that the child can, you know, be comfortable yeah. if they didn't pay and sometimes they don't pay on time yeah um and then you know just make sure that you know the area is good that anybody that they had that you have in and out the home has a background check they check significant others and family members that are over 18 so the process is not that hard i mean it's tedious but it's not hard yeah. at all as long as you have a a good worker that's working with you that's giving you the um checklist and i did that with my foster parents and the applicants you know i went with them you know step by step to make sure that they went through the process yeah i mean it was hard for a lot of them because you know, they'll become a foster parent and then something come up from 60 years ago saying that they was in the riots. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, that happened to one of my foster parents. And I mean, we fought and fought to get her. God rest her soul. Um, she passed away, but just to make sure that she, you know, stayed a foster parent. Wow. Because it just popped up. And that sucks too, you know, um, because the, you create a system that's supposed to be helping, but then it, it has systems that's like, that's within the system that's messing everything up. Because it's like, at the end of the day, you know, this could be their way to redemption. This can be the things that they're doing and you keep throwing them back 60 years ago, throwing them back 20 years ago. Like mm -hmm. somebody got in trouble. You know, I lost my uncle a couple years ago. And one of the things I hated for him was um, he was trying to get a job at um, New Jersey Transit back in like 2012. And he just got out of prison. He got out of prison like in 89. And it was like he hadn't been back in jail or any trouble since. And they still wouldn't give him the job. They hired him, but then they let him go because of what back in '89. And I'm like, yo, you can't do that to people. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of that's kind of crazy. Like that. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I don't like that. Like they did their time. Like you know. Yeah. So, um, for you, so doing that type of work, and thank you for giving up that information. That's one thing I want people to have knowledge. Um, we talk about business, which we're going to get into. But any type of knowledge, because that can actually help move the needle. I've done studies or heard from people saying like, hey, if more people, especially black people, would decide to, you know, be foster parents, or at least I would start with my family first. You know, you clean up your own dirty laundry, but just help out your family. It'll probably be better. That kid won't go through the system, won't get jammed up, probably got a better shot you know, of being something and not robbing you later on. Or Absolutely. But I, you know, I advise that, you know, um, to your listeners that if they're interested in doing that, just check with their, um, state requirements, Yeah, you know, contact their local, um, child services program, you know, everywhere is different. They even changed the name in New Jersey is DCPNP now. So, um, but I still say DIFUS. I don't yeah. think I'm sitting in meetings like DIFUS, DIFUS. Yeah. 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 I, I remember that. So, like, DIFUS going to come get you. DIFUS going to be a yep. call DIFUS. Kids knew the number. Yep. Yep. So I just advise them to check with their, you know, local offices to see what the requirements are. Because like I said, it's been some years um, since I stopped consulting after I left that, you know, work life. Um, so I don't know what the new requirements are exactly. So, you know, is everybody like to listen to my show for entrepreneurship. They know I'm entrepreneur, this entrepreneur, that. But I always mess them up when I tell them, like, this is not just about that. Because there's a lot of people who are saying they're entrepreneurs that's not. It's a lot of people lying, not telling the real stories. And that's why Starve Talk was created because, you know, people need to know, like you said, something as simple as day, but people don't use that type of common sense these days. You said, I got a kid, now I got to go make some more money. Like, that's that's just simple. But people, you, I know you know people, you got friends, family, whatever. Like, you still at the same job. It was good for you, but it's not good for y'all. So you calling me to borrow some money when all it takes for you to put in another application someplace or get a side hustle going because you know if you was barely making it with you, now you got two miles to feed. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the math don't add up. So at what point through your career where you say, you know, I'm going to dip my toe and try and do something for myself business-wise? Um, well, like I said, it was, you know, it was having a kid was, um, you know, an eye opener, you know, I was a very, very spoiled only child for a long time. Um, 
selfish. Oh my gosh. You know, I was very, cause I had, my mom worked three jobs, you know, wow. two, three jobs at a time, you know, and still partied. That lady still partied on the weekend. You know, I don't know how she did it, but, um, you know, I, I just knew that I had to, um, you know, cause, cause I just never believed in these jobs being promising, you mm. know, and jobs being secure. And I don't know where that stuck in, you know, hit me back then. Um, but I will always think of a way to do something else. You know, I always wanted my own business. Um, but I didn't really step into that zone until years later when um, I did get laid off. You know, um, it was not really laid off because I can't say at that time when I first got laid off that you know, it affected me hard because that boss who I appreciate to this day, he's my favorite boss I've ever had, um, Brian Lee. Um, he opened my eyes to being an entrepreneur. Mm. You know, he he said, listen, this place is about to turn into DCPMP. Dyke is no more. Contracts are getting lost. Um, you need to run your own business. You need a nonprofit. You need your own business. You need something, but you can run your own place because he was the, you know, chief financial officer. Um, you know, he was the, um, he, he was the, the brains to everything. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the owner of the company, but he was pretty much the brains and he would have to step away and he would leave me in place. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I had, you know, my coworker, Mr. Jenkins, um, who I also adore. We we bumped heads when I was there at one time, but that's my brother now. So I'm legal <laughs> to him. Um, <laughs> but you know, he would, you know, he he was a traveler and he still is to this day. So when he as uh Mr. Jenkins, who was the director, when he would leave, um, I would handle the facility as well. So I built all these skills in this one place, you know, and I had I held down a lot of jobs there. Um, and a lot of responsibility. So that taught me to become a leader, wow. you know, and wow. yeah, that taught me to become a leader. And then at that point, when Mr. Lee said that things was getting ready to change with the contracts and it's a possibility that, you know, everybody's going to lose their job. I had to let my staff know, because at the time I was the director of foster care and facilitation mm. and I was supervising um, a group of case managers there that were handling all my foster homes. So he told me, he said, you know what? Get your LLC. This is how you do it. And he said, start your own business. And I did. And from that point on, like it went from me being just a notary, you know, and just starting my own business, you know, doing documentations, um, legal documentations um, to, <laughs> to helping other businesses and having my LLC. And then I just got addicted. <laughs> I just got into it, and I I start registering more business, starting more businesses, having more ideas. I kept a book, and I had all these ideas. And Mr. Lee would stop his, take a minute out of his day, open his door to me, close his door, and talk to me about whatever ideas I had, and help mm. me out. Shout out to Mr. Lee. Shout out to Mr. Lee. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And everybody there, you know, Bradley, Will, Wallace, uh, Mays, um, everybody there. They was all 
supportive. We all supported one another, and everybody's doing big things right now. I need, I need this. I'm, I needed that. Like you just gave me life with that because I've been in a never-ending battle about our sisters. And hold it back up. I just need to this. This was this brother. Was he a, a black man, or white man? Black man. Oh my God! I need that. I need that because. I feel, and this is just me personally, and we're going to get back to the, to the other thing. You know, Kevin Samuels passed away. Everybody been talking about that, right? Yeah. So I, f- I felt like, and that's not my, um, I felt like he was onto something. I wouldn't use him as my um, intermediary to speak for me because, you know. I listen to him. I listen to all his lives. No, I, I, I like him. I like him, but I just, you know, like, I wouldn't say what some of the things he said. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, I wouldn't no, call you. Not. I wouldn't call a woman fat, but at the end of the day. He got on I, men, too, now. He exactly. And, and that's what I try to tell, like, a lot of the sisters. And I, and one of my biggest things is I've been telling our sisters that our sisters, y'all are could be our greatest asset or our worst enemy. And it ain't the white man. It ain't the, the man at all. It's our sisters who are the greatest enemy to us. And so I have a lot of sisters saying, well, black men are not helping black sisters get up. And so hearing you say what this brother did for you, it's everything to me. I have to, you know, I recognize a lot of black men. Um, I appreciate like a black men help bring me here. Um, I didn't know my dad. Um, my dad passed away in college, but I, you know, I reason why I do my podcast is because of a black man that, you know, I admire, you know, someone I went to college with, um, that's very dear to me, you know, so I watched him during the pandemic do lives, mm. you know, and interview people from his community and from the school system and, you know, the athletes and everything. And I watched him do that. Um, he wears graphic t-shirts while he's interviewing people and I do the same thing. I yeah. wear my graphic t-shirts and, you know, I wore your shirt before on there, mm-hmm. you know, so I, you know, I watched him do that. I watched him have a setup at home and for his, you know, videos. And then he started doing the podcast and people was inviting him to interviews. And I watched that and I got the idea from him. So a lot of things I have to give credit for to black men you know um so i you know i i'm i'm not that woman that does that at all yeah it's it's and i don't think it's everybody i think that it's it's the ones that's in certain positions and this is what i was telling because i have friends who are very well to do and i think that they're not in touch with the certain like it's a different demographic and i always say i know where i come from and yes i've been able to come up but i've never lost touch with where i come from because i know it's a hundred thousand people in, in, in the hoods of 200,000, 500,000 people in different hoods that nobody even touches. So you don't, you're not getting his or her perspective. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's going on. Like they, they're not even counting in, in those, you know, um, surveys that, that, that they running on the news, anything like that. And so you have the people who are watching the news or in the know from that perspective and they're running with this data. And I'm saying, I'm like, no, we need y'all. Us, us brothers need y'all. We want y'all. We we don't put nobody over. It was like, yeah, well, you know, they, they say the same thing about the white women with um the, the athletes. I said, yeah, because they have access to our athletes. Uh, yeah. I said, it's not because they're choosing them over a sister. I don't know too many black brothers 
that's going to say, you made 100 black brothers. I know 98 of them going to be like, I'll take a black girl over a white girl. Okay, I'm not gonna talk about that one, but, but I have some stories. We'll talk about. But that's that just—I mean, that's <laughs> the ones I've run into. Now you might throw the Spanish in there, you might throw an Oriental, but they ain't just going oh, from—they yeah. might not be going from black to white like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't the case. You know? What oh, mean? I don't got—I don't got dumped. I don't got dumped before for the other side. So, but but it's—I I bet <laughs> you the reason being was a control factor, not attraction factor. You see what yeah, I'm saying? I wouldn't listen. Exactly. I wouldn't listen. Exactly. So <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about attracted because a lot of times when you got money, no matter whether or not you're an athlete or not, a lot of things go your way when you're when you have that type of money. You know what I'm saying? Even when they don't go your way, it goes your way. You can total an eighty thousand dollar car. If you got another eighty G's, buy another one. It's not a problem. You pissed, but you bought another one. But now you, that's your car and you saved up and you got your Mercedes and somebody messed it up. You got a problem problem. You know what I'm saying? And that was just from your nine to five. It's a different situation. So, you know, when your kids, they mess up the light, they, they mess up that food and you don't know when the food stamp's coming. It's a different <laughs> problem. But when you got a bag and they mess up the food, you might get out of here and, you know, go get some more. But it's things change. But I, we're not... Picking nobody over our sister. I don't want to hear that. Like, no, nah, we, we not. Shouldn't. We shouldn't, you know. And I and I, I wouldn't pick my black men over anybody else either. I mean, I it I believe in love, you know, I believe in respect. So it depends on who provides that to you. Yes, you know, exactly. And, but I just, I just can't. I always used to play around, you know. I got a crush on Paul Walker and all these, you know, guys. And you know, my cousins believe that, you know, they out of anybody, they said Dee Dee's gonna marry, you know, out of her race. I, I'm, and if you do, that's cool. I, I'm not the person who's gonna say yes or no to that. But what I'm saying is, we can't go out here with the stereotype. Yeah, that, hey, but that wasn't me. That, the brothers, I mean, that, that's the brothers don't want to... y'all, and the brothers won't help y'all. You no, see what I'm saying? And that's what, what it is. But I do know that our sisters are like either the job or the man or the business or the man. Like, and if, I want both. See, but, uh, and, and let me ask you a question. Where are you with that? I, I need my black man. I'm just I saying, but where are man. you with that? Have you succeeded with that? What you asking me, <laughs> No, I haven't. I and, haven't. See, and that's what I'm saying. And see, and I and I'm, I applaud you for still hanging in there because most of the sisters are going to say, "Nah, I got. I'm going to take one or the other." You know what I'm saying? And not thinking that it can't be. You just got to find that person because what happens is, and this is what Kevin Samuels used to talk about. And we're going to move on because I want to be about about him, <laughs> even though respecting him and uh, you know rest in peace, but. Being even, like, everybody's not going to be at the same space. You know what I mean? I know in my situation, because I'm a felon, well, I'm pardoned now, but because I'm a felon, my my wife was not, you know, she always had a good job. And I'm trying to figure it out. And so now, once I'm, I got, I finally figured it out and got up. But she had years to be like, yo, I'm out on him. But you got you got to see the vision. But everybody want to be Michelle Obama. They want, but they don't want to take the sacrifice and let that man lead like her. She has more talent, just as much talent as he got. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she got behind him 
Because the saying goes, every good man has behind or on the side of him a great woman. And so, but they don't want to be beside or behind. Now is I want to be in front of. And especially our sisters, because the, 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 the white sisters ain't like that. They they cool with it. If you can show that you can, what's that? Okay, we good. You go ahead and do it. They, they could be down the block. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We like. They don't do anything. Bark like a dog, big dog. You know. Yeah. I was just like, why the hell I can't be president? You going to be president? Why the hell I can't be president? I got better grades than you. I'm smarter than you. Like, hey, you got to be able to see your win within him because he sees his win definitely within you. Yeah. yeah. He sees that. And you don't even got to have no money for him to see that. If you bring him peace, if you make him feel more of a man, like he sees a win. He's like, and it's okay. It's okay for my black women. Cause I, I know how I am and I know how I was. And that has changed for me at this point. Mm. Um, it's okay to have a feminine side. It's okay oh, wow. to love, love our masculinity because you know, I, I got, I'm, I got a tough shell. I got tough in the skin, all of that. But I'm very emotional, very. And I have that feminine side and I can let that man lead, you know, and I don't have a problem with that because I know at my age, I got to let, I, I got to figure something out. I cannot be masculine all the time and trying to run and control a man, you know. So those days for me are over. I have found my feminine side Love and it. I think it's okay for all women to understand that they're you know, let their feminine side lead. Let that lead so that you can be that sensuality, um, that sensual side for that man is there, you know, from that feminine side. And, and Lord knows we need it. But shout out to Mr. Lee. Um, and thank you, Mr. Lee, for seeing a sister and seeing that she, seeing something in a sister and, you know, encouraging her and actually mentoring her to be that. And we need to put more of those stories to light because again as i said before a lot of times people's stories like yours are not documented and so they're running with other people's stories and they're running with these lies or stories that's like when you look in the grand scheme of things it's a drop in the bucket you know oh well 600 people it's, it's not you know 600 ceos or whatever and on um, black ceos and none of them women is 200 like it's six million people you know what I'm saying it's only 13 and a half of us like it's 13 and a half percent of us in this country like let's do the real math you know what i mean and let's talk to the other people so i'm glad I, it's just damn me so much good to hear that story because that's why i had to ask i'm i would have been cool if it was a black guy because they were saying black I mean, guys, period. I mean, a white guy said guys, period, not supporting black women. But the fact is, black took it to another level. So, mm-hmm. salute to that brother, man. Salute to that brother. Yeah, our, our company was pretty much um, all black, you know, all black staff. Wow. Um, so, you know, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, we, we had some operational staff that were um, that weren't black, but I think it was one. <laughs> I think it was maybe one. Um, but he was great you know mr lee was amazing with the entire staff and you know i definitely miss working with them and i know all the staff um they we all miss working together we all stay in touch still um you know so i love it this but i definitely appreciate because he you know he built me up to who i am today when it comes to business and pretty much not saying I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want to give Kim Kardashian that credit for saying we don't want to work, but 
She's she off. Said, she's off the hook. But she she actually again makes my point because you don't come from what the people you're speaking to. You don't come from that, so you don't have the right to say that. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't come like. I, I want to hear your side of the story. I want to hear where you come from so that they can learn. But don't jump over here and say nothing like you don't understand it. Like people, one thing I always say, like, stop telling people they're making excuses. Some people really do have reasons for not doing something. It's not an excuse. It only becomes an excuse in my book when person had all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the understanding and all the opportunity. But they choose not to use it. Now is an excuse. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what you don't know, then it's, it's a reason. Like whatever you, whatever your reason is, is valid because you don't know no better. Yeah, my mother' name is not Chris. You know, Chris Jenner. But your dad was a, your dad was OJ's lawyer. Yeah, so she's she's who she is because of her mom, dad, and that teeth. So. <laughs> And, and, but, and look, I love Chris Jenner. That's my girl. Like, That's my I, girl. I love Chris Jenner because you know what? She she made a bad situation into a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And hey, you can say what you want to say about the rest of them, but oh, I love the Kardashians. That's that's my I'm girl. Of, I'm a fan. I hate that everybody trying to be like them, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? Lala looks like the 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 next Kardashian sister. She like the oh, sixth one. Yeah, I right now, stop. yeah, she looks just it. like the six Kardashian. You know what I'm saying? And then the rest of them are going to be, you know, going back and forth. And I'm over that, but that's neither here nor there. So you've you've got into business. One of the things that that uh, another thing that I loved is that you learned on the job, and a lot of people are running from the jobs, like the big bad boss man. That's why I call it right now. Everybody running from the big bad boss man, and like that's where the knowledge comes from. You know, like they had everybody, nothing, there's not too much shit that's new nowadays. I mean, you're not going to have a Mark Zuckerberg all the time. Everybody's trying to be it, but it's not always going to be a Mark Zuckerberg. So if you want to be in social work, you want to be a psychiatrist or whatever the case may be, it's a job out there for you to learn that. Why do you feel like people are trying to duck the job prematurely? Um, There's a lot of micromanagement in jobs mm-hmm. and it makes people very uncomfortable about working um especially when there's people who have a trillion ideas in their head and they go to work at a company where that company steals every idea they've had um and make it their own um and that's pretty much what our world is and that's life especially when we have our black people who are working in companies and they're the mastermind behind creation and inventions. Yeah. Um, that we could go back to that man on the boat, that black man on the boat with Christopher Columbus. (laughs) Okay. But you know, so we, we have scenarios like that where, and I'm sure it was way before time before that, you know, but we have, you know, a mindset where we're highly intelligent. We're, we're, intelligent species you know we know how to create things we know how to start inventions we know how to start businesses. we know how to keep businesses going you know we may not have the collateral or the money to start the business or to keep the business going we may need investors behind it but we have the ideas you know so that hurts us a lot when we go into these companies and 
we don't want to be micromanaged. A lot of us don't want to go sit in the office and work behind a desk or a, cu a cubicle and be miserable. You know, you want to work for someone and you want to work at a company or you want to do a job that you're happy doing. Yeah, what happened with ignorance is bliss, though, because and for me, and I, I definitely respect that. And from somebody like you saying that, I, I respect it coming from you. But you got the babies now. Like, you've done nothing with life. You don't, you barely know what you want to do, but you just don't want to do it for nobody else. Black, white, purple, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we say to them? Because, again, like, going into a job, you get, you know, you're a college grad. You ain't get out of there making six figures immediately. <laughs> like, you got out of there, and you probably got a $40,000, $50,000 job, a $30-something job back in the day. Like, so... 30-something. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and it was okay because it was some money. Was you learning. 20 years old, you, yeah. Exactly. And so, even at that age, they're like, nah, hell no with that. I, I, I don't want to learn nothing. I, I just know how to... I know how to do my own thing. What, what's, what's the deal with that? And how do we fix that? You got to have a job. You know, if, even if you have an idea um if you don't have anything you have mouths to feed you have mm. to think about those kids you know um let that job pay for your certifications let that job pay it. for your your llc registration um let it pay for your bonds your surety bonds your insurance so that your business could be up and running Love it. um Love if you're a hairstylist you need a place to do hair you let get a job so that or do some hair on the side in your home or somebody's living room until you could save that money to build your own empire. You know, you got to start from somewhere. I know people who start selling tapes out of the back of their trunk. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, you you got to start from somewhere. And if that is going to get a nine to five and I still, you know, like I, I told you before we started, I I still accept contracts and I still take temporary assignments and work and stuff like that um i just had a job uh for the last two years um a nine to five job you know i worked full time um in marketing so it's just like i don't have a problem working but i have that job to help me build something else yeah. i took that job so that i can pay for my licenses and everything for my broker license you know so I wanted to make sure that I had a job and no losses. Yeah. Cause I wasn't going, the lights are not going to go off on my kids. <laughs> I love it. I'm not going to have a letter from the sheriff on the door um, saying that we got to move, yeah. you know? So I, I'm going to make sure that I have something to pay for my bills and to make sure that my kids are eating and to make sure my daughter's living this glamorous lifestyle in college <laughs> and on social media um, so that I can build my business yeah. and whatever yeah. idea, whatever other things I want to do, you know, and I, I have a book of million things that I want to <laughs> do. So I still want to do if I haven't done them. So I'm, I'm working. I'm still working. You know, I think that the concept of the 2040, whatever rule or whatever you get with the job or whatever, uh, 40 years and all that stuff, 20, 40% of your salary and all that crap, the retirement, that's done. I get that. But the, the concept of a job is the one thing we didn't pick up on is the training portion, the training. I want people to like, if in this world, I probably, I got an eight year old son. I tell my, I tell him all the time. I say, look, by the time he's 25, if he doesn't know anything like master something, it's not going to be a job 
They're only hiring people who actually know something. You know, when we got when we were coming out of college, if you had a degree, you can get something. That's not going to be the case no more. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be what can you actually do? Not yeah. what you're going to be worried about us training you to do. No, can you actually do something? And if you don't get the training to actually master something, then you're going to be left out. You know, because mm-hmm. everybody's not going to, I think, especially black people, we're caught up in this lottery syndrome. And what I mean by that, and I'm actually going to put this in a book, the lottery syndrome is this. It only takes one person to make five million people do something. So every week, somebody's playing a number. It only needs to be one person to win that's going to keep making other five million people keep playing a number. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you know, there's only one Jay-Z, but it's 100 million rappers, and you're birthing rappers every day. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with that. You know, one Serena, you know, but you now it's tennis players. It's just, it's like, where's the thing that we're winning on and that's guaranteed automatically? Like, boom, boom, boom. We don't want that. Everything got to be a damn lottery. Everything got to be, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling the dice. Yeah. And I, I just that's think crazy. People, yeah. I just think people need to build on skill set. Yes. I, I tell my kids all the time, um, have something to fall back on. Uh, I went to college. I, like I said, political science, criminal justice degree on my undergrad, master's, administrative science, organizational leadership. I'm not, I mean, I can't say I'm not using it. Um, I've done everything tailored under my degree. Um, but even, you know, I, I've been an investigator, you know, I went to the police academy before, you know, I, I did everything under my degree. I've been a director, so I've been a leader, you know, so but the other things are making me money. So if that job decides to have a layoff or they shut down or they go bankrupt, I have something to fall back on because I have other skills. I go get a certification. I go get a license. I have other skills to fall back on. I'll do a side hustle, you know, and that, and and I'll do a side hustle in a minute. And that's how I created the single mom's hustle because I develop that so that I could go out here, do a hustle and come back and tell moms what they can do to make extra money. Let's talk about that. Tell you. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you about the side hustle unless I did it. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How, how, how exactly did that come to fruition? What, what, what was the thing that pushed you into that? The side, Um, the single mom side hustle. I love that. The single mom's hustle. Uh, I started that, um, a few years ago, um, just by telling my story, I was just on Anchor and um, iTunes and I would do a little podcast and I started with my story and I would just tell my story and I, you know, recorded myself doing these side hustles. Um, it was just, you know, audio. I just talking into the audio, whatever. And I said, I'm going to form a group on Facebook. So i I formed a private group and I added all these moms in the group. And, you know, I would share any little side jobs. I'll share referral codes to drive and lift, Uber, DoorDash, Instacart, um, you know, uh, little tutor, tutoring sessions that they could do from home, remote work, things like that. And I, will, I allowed them to place their side hustles in the group as well. Wow. And, you know, small businesses in a group as well. So 
I just thought that it was a great thing for me to do, um, you know, trademark the single mom's hustle and get out there and, you know, figure out a way. So I figured it because I have children. I want to make sure that I have extra money to put into a Roth or, you know, on the side, if I need extra money for my kids to do something, or if I need extra money for gas, I would go out here and I would do, I have a problem doing it. Lyft, Uber, all that. I had no problem doing any of that. I, I didn't discriminate it. against anything. I would do it all. I So from that point on, when I figured out, okay, Uber and Lyft, I'm about to start a courier service. So <laughs> I started my own courier services where, where I lived at, there was a lot of elderly people who wanted to go to the store and they couldn't get around. I was not working at the time. And my side hustle was, you know, I was doing mortgage inspections and it was a little slow. And so I started doing that. And I would, you know, sometimes the little old ladies didn't want me to take them everywhere. They just said, hey, Deatra, here you go. You know, can you go to the store? Can you go to the post office? Whatever. So I would do that. And I had other people doing it as well. So, you know, and then I would let them know how to, how to start it. Wow. So the response, what give give me a a uh some a response from somebody like somebody like a testimonial for you starting that this group. Somebody something somebody told you that stands out to you. Um I believe it was um a little it was a a, a little girl. Mm. Um her mom had came into the group and they had a a business that she named after her baby. And she just, you know, she let me know that, you know, I thank you. You know, it was like so many sales that she had got from joining the group. And she said, my mom, let me send you this video and tell you thank you for adding us in the group that, you know, she never, you know, would think that at five years old, she have her own little business. It was was a cute little video. So it was just, it was touching. And at the time, you know, my daughter hadn't started her business yet. Um, So it was, it was a great thing, you know, for my kids to hear that, that it was coming from a baby, you know, on behalf of her mom, her mom joined the group, but you know, the business was booming. The little girl was the face of the business. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. This is this is the type of stuff that people need to hear because again, people always talking about the damn yacht, the boats, the, I mean the, the the Rolls Royces and all this other stuff like that. And it's all how the kids say cap. <laughs> because <laughs> <That's> all cat. <laughs> because it, it ain't no that cat. many it ain't that much money in the world. You know what I'm saying? For everybody to have like oh, everybody winning, everybody hitting, you know, each target. I don't understand. I got a million side hustles. I still don't have a yacht. Yeah, I so, one, but <laughs> so and, and my, my but my thing is this it's not because it's a it's a cycle to it. You know what I'm saying? Like again, I talked about my situation. I wasn't up. But it wasn't that I wasn't going to be up. It was like nobody wanted you to allow you to go through your cycle to become what you need to become. You know what I'm saying? So when you start your business, you're not going to be a millionaire tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So like, or your side hustle, whatever you're doing, you got to allow people to go through their cycle. And then, you know, just so hearing about yours, hearing about, okay, I had the job. This happened. I made this happen. Then, okay, I went back to working, but I did this, I did that. Like, that's real stuff. That's not... Oh, I just did this and now I'm winning and you can win too. And you can and then uh, you getting people to give you money 
because you done and and now that it's Toro and and you sitting in a house that you didn't Airbnb and you got a Toro and you pump faking and you telling people this, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's too much. I I need and my people need the real. Like we need to know. I I always tell people I hate it and I stop saying that word. I didn't like Eric Thomas because I'm from Newark. I ain't worried about no. You don't move me for you yelling. Like you yelling all the time. Mm-hmm. But he's always be like, man, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to work. You just want to sleep. You ain't up at three o'clock in the morning. You ain't. Do-. And I'm sitting like, yeah, niggas need to sleep. Like, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But it wasn't until I actually learned more about his story that he went to sleep at six, seven o'clock at night, so he can be up at that time. Now, now that's discipline. But you wasn't talking about that. That wasn't the sound bite that was used. And I, you got somebody like me, like, I don't even want to hear that, which I probably needed to hear what you were saying, but you turned me off because you wasn't telling me the part that I can identify with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear all this. I ain't sleep for 18 days, and that's why I'm a millionaire. I'm probably going to sleep. I'm going to let you know right now. So Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm the opposite. You know, I, I have people say that all the time. You know, why you stay up late? I'm up 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, I didn't go to bed last night till 3.30, you know, and I'm up at... 5 30 to get my son ready and out the door for school you know so i i do that i stay up late and i work on business business ideas my oh. website you know so no everybody does that if you in business you're going to do it at some point at some point but at the end of the day i i don't i don't i'm a daytime person i'm going to sleep at night if there ain't no party going on and I'm about, <laughs> I'm in, I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the bed. But it doesn't mean yeah, you won't I'm getting be older now. So that don't mean you won't be successful. Like it don't mean you won't be successful. If it's the time that you have within the day, if you use it right, you'll be fine. It don't matter because again, that three o'clock thing is that he found the YouTube algorithm. Like I mean, I read the book, his books. I read so that's what it was. Your algorithm worked for you that you need to put your videos out at this time, right? That's just like a joke of working at FedEx. Like, yo, you got to get up and go to work at five o'clock. I mean, one o'clock in the morning. That's what you did. And you should have done that. And you should have yeah. won doing it. But don't say that everybody else is lazy because you go to work every day. Can't do that. You know what I'm you saying? Can't, you can't tear people down, you know, and that, you know, it's just, it's so many diverse people out here. You cannot disrespect someone for their hustle or, you know, their schedule, how they move. Yeah. You know? And I respect him. I respect him. And I think he's good. And, and I think that knowing more, I don't know him personally, but knowing more about his story, I don't believe that's what it was. But again, it's that media, it's that soundbite, it's that rhetoric that mm-hmm. everybody wants to hear. And then, but it, it, they don't know how, how dangerous it is, especially to us as a people. We're the ones that's on the bottom. We're getting it so diluted by the time it gets to us that we're just thinking that, oh, if I don't sleep, or if I just cut corners, if I just do this, I'll get to where I need to get to. And then you wake up and you 50 years old and you didn't do anything with your life because you didn't plant no seeds. I put a post out yesterday like you got to you got to plant the seeds and then you can't go dig them right up. Mm-hmm. It's a part of that process that you have nothing to do with. You get yeah. the get the ground right. You do all that other stuff. You buy the seeds, you plant them. You try to protect it. You water it. But it's stuff going on underground that you have nothing to do with and you can't do nothing about it. It's nothing you can do besides wait. And we don't want that part. We don't want that wait part. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. It's the same thing as, you know, being a parent. Yeah. Parenting. You know, you you plant the seed. You help them grow. You feed them every day. 
but you have no control of what happens when they walk outside your door. Yeah, you just give them what you can give them, and that's that. Yeah, you know, your, your values and everything you taught them. You just hope they walk out your door and still remember that. I I just try to tell my kids the biggest thing I feel like I can give my kids is let them know they're not alone. That's it. <laughs> because it's not that you're gonna not go through anything, but you're never gonna go through it by yourself, and. That's the only thing that I stick. I try to stick that into like because I I did not fight because my parents or my mom and my family didn't, you know, like they didn't. Nobody was scared of them like that. They was going to try me. You, you just made me sound. You just made me feel bad because when you told your kids they're not alone, I tell my kids the same thing. But I say everybody knows me and your father. Y'all better be careful in these streets. Oh, no, people. Yeah, watching. people. And that's the thing. Look, that's the thing with, with mine. I mean, where I, you know, I'm in South Carolina right now, but you know, I'm back and forth between Vegas. I, everybody know me here. My daughter, she loves it. She's like, you know, the mayor was at the school. The mayor, you know, I say, you know, my dad, you know, like everybody knows who their parents are. But I'm just saying from a perspective, like we can't follow them everywhere. But yeah. I'll get on the plane tonight for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, I'm on the next thing smoking. If you call me, I'm leaving whatever I'm doing, and I'm going to make it happen. Like, whatever you going through, you're not going to go through, have to sit there alone. As long as I got breath in my body, you're, going, you're not going to go through it alone. You know, so just know that. And you, you from where I'm from, one of the biggest security blankets was, you knew you could make that phone call, and somebody was going to come? You walked tall. When you was going where you needed to go. And and I try to get that to my kids, even though they ain't not going through that same situation. They don't walk through crowds no more and go to corner stores where a bunch of people stand out. But I knew that coming off of Bergen Street, hey, man, if I make it to Hawthorne, I make it to a payphone. Somebody coming around the corner for me, and I ain't got to worry about that. And I was good, and that made me be okay with being in different neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Playing basketball. I play for North Tech, so I go to Shabazz and play. You know, you lose at Shabazz. It could be, oh, you beat them, they're going to fight. Yeah, it could be. But my yeah. home, you know, my hood came out when I had a game at Shabazz. You know what I'm saying? Because they like, yo, we ain't going to make sure that nobody ain't going to bother him. Go on, You right. know what I'm saying? And, and that's what I understood. Like, I wasn't alone. Yeah, I had to go to school by myself. I had to go and play that game on my own. But I can look over there and see these hood jokers with my grandmother <laughs> sitting there like, yo, if somebody bother him, it's going to be a problem. And that made me feel good. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's the same situation. So we we gonna have to do a part two to this. Like I'm serious, and I'm not even I'm not even joking. Like this is part one. We ain't even closing this out. Like we just gonna like end it right here because at the end of the day, people need to hear this. And you know, we got some other things in the works. We talking about it. We when we do when we finish part two, we gonna close it out and kind of let some people know what yeah, we what we doing. It. Yeah, what we doing. <laughs> but I because I want to get we into do it both. We could do it. We could talk about it on my. Yes, yes, because I want to, you know, talk about the, your kids doing the entrepreneurship. I want to talk about you helping other businesses get them them started because that's a process as well. And that's something that's near and dear to my heart. That's what my nonprofit does. I Won't Starve Academy, you know, um, truly just help them. I, my, you know, my goal is to help black businesses. You know, I'll help other people's businesses, but primarily black businesses um, because of my government contracting background. They always talk about minority businesses and that's a loose word in the government because if you, everybody's a minority, only people that's not a minority is a white man. So if you a gay white man, you're a minority. If you are a white woman, you're a minority. Anything besides a heterosexual white male is a minority. And so we, they think that, oh, minorities made $5 billion with the government. Black people probably made half of a percent of that. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But everybody else are minorities. And so that sprung, I sprung into action five years ago to create I Won't Starve LLC. But when the pandemic happened, I said, man, I got to really, you know, make this into a 501c3 to actually go after the dollars to help my people get education for free and learn how to be business owners. So what you're doing is very, very important. It's back is on, on brand with Starve Talk. When we talk about staying tall and reclaim victory every day, it's not just for you. It's for your people as well. You know, it's for your kids. It's for the people around you. I tell people I stepped out and helped kids. I used to talk at my daughter's school to the boys. We call it, created Tie Tuesday, Transform, Inspire, Expose, every Tuesday with the boys. I'm saying, you know, if I'm raising my daughter, because I did something for you, you might choose to treat my daughter better. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I brought pizza for y'all once a month, and y'all got I Won't Starve shirts, and I took y'all places, stuff like that. You might be like, oh, that's Mr. Washington's daughter right there, so we're going to treat him and treat her better. That's it's not just reclaiming victory for you, you know what I'm saying? It's reclaiming Absolutely. victory for us, period. So yeah, I definitely want to. Um, I'm gonna shut it down right here, and then we're gonna pick back up. I don't know, you know, my my other boss Tamika, she's gonna get with you, your BFF, <laughs> my BFF, and, and and line it up so that we could do this next one sooner than later, and then we're gonna go ahead and make a nice little two part scenario. Get people all all thirsty about I'm, that. I'm with it. I'm with it. But it's Sheba baby, y'all. Y'all see Sheba baby, and you know what? We might have to put the afro. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll come back part two with the yeah, afro. I don't want I don't want my my guys to be going crazy because she <laughs> look she she got at me. I was like, no, my god, you look. If you so are, just tell them they could they could go on, you know, Sheba underscore baby underscore diamond D and check out the fro. On if the we are a man of a certain age, you know who Pam Gray is. Now she's somebody, she's G Mine now. Pam Gray is G Mine now, but in her day, her and uh Felicia Rashad was it for me. You know, they both G Mines now, but they it's were the to see it i i still look at her pictures and go i, I don't know oh no even tamika said that about you tamika said i said i told her what the situation was she was like oh you know what she actually do look like <laughs> i'm like yo it, I get it with, all the time. and with that I afro it. it was a done deal for me i was like oh my god like she reincarnated yeah, and I, I would think when I put the locks in that they don't see it. But I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago when I met Ghost and somebody stopped me and said, somebody ever tell you look like Pam Greer? I was like, yeah. There it is. I appreciate that, though. There she, it is. She so, was beautiful and still is. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Listen, enjoy the rest of your day. We go and wrap this thing up. But um, once she set up the situation, the date, we get your, your busy schedule and we'll make it happen. No, you the busy one, brother. Come <laughs> on, Exactly, right? We're going to use that. We need T-shirts with that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, hey, that's hey. you. I'm, I'm, whenever you're ready, just let me know. That's what's up. I'm going to talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. Peace.